And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Mile High Green Cross. Sign up for their loyalty program and receive 20% off your entire purchase once per month. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. With me for this one is our guy, Patrick Lyons, and returning, making a triumphant return to the podcast. <laughs> Woo! Now, now that we have figured out the technology is uh, my mother, Barbara Creaseman, as we continue our conversation on Ken Burns' uh, PBS documentary, Baseball. And mom, since you've missed a couple, as I'm back now in Boulder, I have sadly had to leave you behind there all in your lonesome <laughs> in, in Grand Junction. Um, but we've still had some things to talk about, and one of them has been this documentary. So uh, I wanted to start just by asking you, uh, what did you think of this episode? And if you wanted to, to go back, you know, share some of your thoughts since we didn't have you on from some of the previous episodes here, just kind of overall takes. Take it away. No, I, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. I think all of them have been great. And I really like this one because it starts baseball. You know, when I was a, a young kid, most of these people on here are older than me. So it's my very first inklings of what I heard about baseball. So that was really fun. And obviously we've talked about my favorite player was Mickey Mantle coming from Commerce City, Oklahoma, and he makes his debut in this. And so that was really a lot of fun to hear that and hear other people talk about him being their favorite player. Yeah, it was funny when he said something about, um, and I'm just jumping right into it. We'll go a little more structure here in a minute, yeah. but while we're doing top line takeaways, when he said something about how um, the manager, Casey Stengel, wanted him to be like uh, Babe Ruth and Joe DiMaggio yeah. and whoever else all rolled into one, and I just couldn't be that, and I thought, you weren't my mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And I think he was to a whole lot of people, not just little kids from Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, telling the story about his dad played baseball and his dad died young and, and, you know, and his dad kept him in baseball, obviously. I thought that was one of the more interesting lines is him, you know, getting compared to all these three guys rolled into one saying it just didn't happen. And it kind of reminded me of Ken Griffey Jr. Because while, you know, for a, yeah. a period of time before Mariana Rivera got 100% of the votes, you know, Griffey had, you know, the highest percentage uh, from the BBWAA voters to the Hall of Fame. But I think in, in many aspects, you know, he failed to live up to expectations in not breaking, breaking Hank Aaron's record, you know, not winning more MVPs, not winning a championship in, in Cincinnati. But 
that's not what he's remembered for. He's still the kid. He's still got the backwards cap. He's still got one of the sweetest swings in all of baseball. And for that, he will forever be my generation's Mickey Mantle. And just like Mickey may not have lived up to the expectations, he still was capital, all caps, Mickey Mantle, which was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And played, and when I was younger and watching him play, you know, you hear about injuries here and there and stuff, but I didn't realize till later, you know, how hurt he was often during his career and still had outstanding performances. Yeah, that's definitely, you know, and I, I feel like that's a little more well known now, whether it's through documentaries like this or movies, whatever it may be, that, uh, he, he, this overarching tragedy to his career that he was this phenomenal player, despite the fact that he was playing basically on one good knee for almost all of his career. Um, the, and there are Ken Griffey Jr. parallels uh, there as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, a, a guy who got hurt, you know, running around out there in the outfield. So. Also uh, named after yep. a notable major league player, right? <laughs> His dad. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Mickey's true. dad, Mickey's dad naming him after Mickey Cochran, you know, baseball, mm-hmm. right? Bingo. I think one the thing that the documentary really didn't get a chance to, to touch upon, but I'll, I'll mention it here is that when Mickey actually came up in that 51 season and, you know, we hear about him, getting injured in that um, that the little drain in, in the outfield when DiMaggio waited to the last minute to call him off and, and what caused those injuries, you know, to, to at least one of his knees was that when he came up, he actually wore number six because he was next in the line. Number three, Babe Ruth, number four, Lou Gehrig, number five, Joe D. And then, hey, Mickey, you're going to wear number six. And he got sent down and you hear that story about Mutt, you know, grabbing a suitcase, like, let's go, come on. I I, I didn't think that I, I raised a quitter, but, and, and he fought back. And then when he came yeah. back up, he started wearing seven so he could become his own man. I remember him saying, I never, never want to go down again, was one of his quotes later on, you know, that mm-hmm. he was ready. Yeah, it's uh, one of the game's most interesting characters, but also, you know, it, it's, it would be way too dismissive, even the way you hear people talk about him. It's it's there's the what ifs and there's the he was so exciting. Um, there isn't the reverence that people talk about Babe Ruth or Joe DiMaggio or or maybe even a guy like Ted Williams, who's featured a lot in this episode. Um, but five hundred sixty five feet, huh? St- was Statcast <laughs> yeah. measuring it? Did they have did they got a tape measure on that thing? Oh, it could have been longer. Could have been another 20 feet, you know, out there. Uh, and I think that, uh, that there's always more romance or more whatever with the people that are a little bit older than the things that become more known. We talk about that, you know, in a lot of different venues. But I think for me and Billy Crystal, Billy Crystal did say he was his favorite player, you know, uh, at the time he was. He was important. He was as big. He was as good. Uh, and everybody loved to watch him play. Barbara, I don't know if you know this, but when 
Mickey was first signed at 17 years old. And back when the classifications weren't triple A down to low A, they went A through D. But in class D baseball in 1949 as a 17-year-old, so this is long before your time, he actually <laughs> played in he actually played in Independence, Kansas for the Independence Yankees. Oh, that really? Was his, no, that was I his didn't first know that. stop. That was his first stop. That's right, in the Kansas, Oklahoma, Missouri League. Which makes perfect sense given that he was from such a small town in eastern Oklahoma. And, you know, he just wanted to play. I think they even said his dad played on, I don't know now if it was semi pro team or just, you know, adults playing baseball because they love baseball because a lot of people did that then. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, Mom, you mentioned uh, Billy Crystal. I felt like it was a standout. We've seen him before in the dock, but this was really a yeah. standout episode for Billy Crystal. Uh, he, he got to tell some fun stories. And I, I wanted to um, jump into uh, Patrick's history with this a little bit because this episode is called The Capital of Baseball, and it largely uh-huh. revolves around New York City, and I know you're a big East Coast guy. I'm gonna say, like, hey, buddy, I know you. You're from back back east. I've dropped a couple of hints. I'm I'm impressed that you were listening in so closely to my mentions of being from uh, a little state called New Jersey. <laughs> so, um, I'll I'll preface it also by saying this: this uh, one of the things that always frustrated me a little bit about this documentary, watching it when I was younger was how New York centric it is. Mm. And, you know, now that I'm an adult and one of the, the, it's my job to sort of chronicle the game a little bit. um, I can recognize that that's also part of how it had to be. Um, But I, you know, I had a different relationship with these, some of these legends and, you know, folk tales or whatever spoke to me more and some less. So I'm curious about you growing up in the area. uh, Is this your favorite episode of this documentary ever? Because it's just so also about the area and all the great players that came through in this decade. That's kind of considered a a golden era for the game. And, And when you really look, when you look at the names, like should be considered that. As far as the documentary goes, I would, I probably have put the fourth inning as my favorite. It, that's the that's the shadow ball. It was all about the Negro mm. Leagues. That came yeah. right off the heels of nothing but Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth, and it was very refreshing. So the fourth inning in this documentary is my favorite. However, in watching this inning, it really made me realize. Excuse me, actually, it was fifth inning. It was shadow ball, but it made me realize that all of the guys that were throughout this entire two and a half hours. Those were all the guys that I revered when I was younger, when I would go to Cooperstown with my dad. I think it was for the first time in 1993 when Reggie Jackson got inducted. We went just after his induction. And then every year for the next three years, we went and saw the likes of Steve Carlton, Mike Schmidt, Phil Rizzuto, and the guys that were there signing autographs were all of the ones mentioned in this. I I actually got to shake Willie Mays hand and, and get his autograph on a baseball. And and there in front of him where was the picture of the catch that you could get signed. <laughs> I've, I've stood before Don Larson and have shaken his hand and gotten his autograph. Uh, and I think, although I don't remember this because it's, it's, it's membered more for the event and, and 
the singular moment than it is two legendary players. But the shot heard around the world, we have a, a you know probably a twenty by six flat that's signed by both Bobby Thompson and Ralph Branca. So all of these guys were the ones that when I would go to Cooperstown as a teenager and, and even in my early twenties, those were the guys that you had to get the legendary Yankee players or the Brooklyn Dodgers or even any of the New York Giants guys. Those were the ones that were most revered because at that time, that was the capital of baseball. And everyone that lived around me grew up here or grew up there uh, from that generation. So it, it's they were still those guys. They were still the greatest of all time. Yeah, whatever. No, <laughs> no, no, you're totally no. <laughs> no, you're. No, I know that what a horrible thing to say. That was that was Pour so beautiful. My heart out. There was the the only there was there was two ways to go with that. <laughs> one was <laughs> an, an earnest response to an absolutely beautiful thing you just said, and the second was what I yeah, chose. Well, yeah. <laughs> New York, yeah, every, everything's about New York to these. But well, and even though it is a lie that the game was invented in Cooperstown, and you know all of that, it. Like I said, now I'm really glad we're doing this for a lot of reasons. First of all, we all love baseball and this is fun. Um, But because as an adult, I can look at this and go, wow, you don't have to be a little kid who's upset that your team never gets enough credit and that your area, like your team just started existing, little kid. Calm down. It'll be okay. One day. One day they're going to put Larry Walker in the Hall of Fame and and we can make a, a documentary about that. Um, and the Yankees, so I think for us, Mickey Mantle was from Oklahoma. He wasn't from New York City. And they right. talked about that. And so for, for me, and because we got the Yankees on TV and we didn't get lots of teams on TV at that time. That was baseball. I was a Yankees fan because of that, and because I was a baseball fan. And when Billy Crystal talked about the first time he went to Yankee Stadium and how awing it was, yeah. I've only been to Yankee Stadium once, and I have to say, I felt the same way. And I was yeah, old. we went in. <laughs> oh, you were not. Uh, two thousand one, right? We, yep. we went. We went in July two thousand one. So right before yeah, just 9-11, it was, right. uh, we went to see, I think they played uh, Toronto. Blue Jays, yeah. Played the Blue Jays, and the Blue Jays yep. beat them. Uh, yeah. Jermaine Dye, I think, was on uh-huh. that team. Carlos Delgado. Carlos Del- Didn't he hit a home run, like, in the first inning or something? I believe so, yeah. It's a good game. We mm-hmm. did the wave, but, oh, but stopped. <laughs> When the play was going on, the, the crowd would get it started during the intermissions and stop it when the game was happening. Sorry. The only good wave I've ever seen in baseball. That's right. Um, you said you said this was July. Jul- That's right. And, and Toronto yeah. won. Yeah. That's right. So it, it could have been Big, early I think. August. We had a, yeah, we were seeing home runs, man. Over that uh, wall they had out there. Um, <laughs> Short portion, right? Day yeah, game was, or night game? Night game. So that probably would have been July 20th, 2011. Yankee, uh, Blue Jays 10, Yankees 4. 
Nelson right. and not Nelson Cruz. That was uh, Jose Cruz at the time. Went three for five. Raul Mondesi, two for yeah. five. Carlos Delgado, two for five. Actually, Jose Cruz hit two home runs that day. Yeah. Uh, you saw Esteban Meliza. <laughs> Delgado got a home uh, run. Mondesi hit a home run. Okay. Montessi got one. Yeah, you yeah. kind of saw you saw the B team. There, there's a guy who started for the Yankees. I've never heard of him. Brett Jody. Yeah, he, no idea. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. He started one game for the Yankees in his career. He pitched. He started. He pitched, pitched eight <laughs> games ever, and once he started as a Yankee and drew. And you saw him pitch <laughs> two innings, gave up six runs. Oh my yes. goodness! Witnessed history. How about you? You saw your own moonlight, Graham. So that yeah. was a moment, and that's. That's I got goosebumps. I honestly, people are going, well, who cares about Brett Jody? Brett Jody cares about his career in the one game he got to start at Yankee Stadium and the one game that you got to see at Yankee Stadium. You both share that. Right. That's, that's, that's amazing. A kid from Columbia, South Carolina. That's where Brett Jody was from. And and a boy from (laughs) Palisades, Colorado. They both know where they were at on, on July 20th. That was his major league debut as well. So it oh, was it wow. was everyone's major league debut, and that's are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's, that's amazing. amazing. <laughs> everyone's things, major league debut. The things you learn when you go back and look. And you know, we took the subway. <laughs> we were staying at at the Roosevelt Hotel in in Manhattan, and we took the subway to the Bronx to the game, and we took it back. And on the way back, every. I, in fact, on the way there and on the way back, everybody is talking baseball on the subway. It's just, that's what it is. There's a game tonight and we're all going. The game's over, we're all going back, and we're all saying what they should have done different to win, right? <laughs> the mistakes that were made. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the, the entire city, and that that just hasn't changed. In the summertime, baseball is is that sport. It's, it's a communal thing. And, you know, Billy Crystal, as you said, just he talks about Yankee Stadium and you know, he ended that that introduction at the beginning about there was a great deal of respect for the past and for the game. And at Yankee Stadium, there's no greater place than than more you know World Series and championships have been won, and the greatest players of all time played there. Forget forget about you know the the laundry that they wore. Forget about their uniforms. Look at the numbers. The numbers show that some of the greatest players of the game played there, and it's. I'm, I miss it. I miss it. I know the ghosts moved all across the street to the new stadium, but I, I do. I do miss the original Yankee Stadium. Well, and you know, it, New York being such a baseball town, and when we were, when we were there for that meeting, and you watch a little local TV, there was a commercial with Mike Piazza in it, and he's walking the streets of New York. So he's playing for the Mets at that time, right? And he gets a newspaper, and the guy at the newsstand says, you know, you need to choke up or you need to do – everywhere he stopped, somebody <laughs> gave him a piece of advice about, you know, you've got the little stuff, yeah. but it'll get better, and you got to do this. And it was it was hilarious. I loved it. <laughs> that could have been a documentary, to be honest. Oh, <laughs> it was great. My favorite was the the last one is how much we loved this commercial because remember the last guy's like a hot dog vendor or a newspaper guy or whoever is asking him a question. He goes – Hey, uh, how far is it to center field? He goes, I don't know, about 405 feet. How far is it to right field? 341. Well, hit the ball to right field. <laughs> come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, Mike. It's not rocket science here. What are you doing? <laughs> um, so, Patrick, while we're on the subject, do you have a 
personal connection to uh, the uh, certainly a, maybe a family connection to the sadness of either the Giants or the Dodgers leaving town? That's a good question. I, I know my, my mother's, so my, my father's family, they were more Yankees fans than anything. And my, my mother's side of the family, they were Mets fans, but they, they didn't live in North Jersey un, until, you know, the, the Mets came around. So n- none of them got invested in, in Brooklyn and, um, and, and the New York Giants as, as my mother's family originally uh, hailed from from the Pittsburgh area. So they were originally pirates fans. So no, there, there's no real connection with that, but the, the reverence for the Brooklyn Dodgers, no one, no one talks about, no one really talked about the New York baseball giants. Those football fans that are listening out there. If you, if you, you know, are listening to radio back East, sometimes you'll hear, you know, Eli Manning's team referred to as New York football giants, New York football giants, because at one point there was a New York baseball giants. So, Although the New York Giants only exist now as a football team, it's they're still referred to on occasion as the New York Football Giants. But there wasn't the reverence for the New York Giants and their history quite as much as there was for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Even when you look at um, a stadium like City Field, you see almost an identical rotunda of what Ebbets Field looked like. In fact, that was the original criticism of City Field when it was first erected in 2009 was that it almost felt like the old Brooklyn Dodgers played there than the Mets because there wasn't a lot of Mets paraphernalia around. There wasn't a Hall of Fame yet even in the stadium and the fans were like, we get it. The Wilpons love the Brooklyn Dodgers, but can we make <laughs> this you know, Mets stadium about the Mets? So, I mean, even even up until the late 2000s, like you can see the impact that the Brooklyn Dodgers you know what they represented because they were on the other end of the spectrum. You have the Yankees who have all the great superstars. They win all these championships. They're up to 27 now. And then you've got the Brooklyn Dodgers. You've got Dem Bums who are second place every single year. They get their heart ripped out and stomped on. And even when they finally win the World Series in 1955, two years later, boom, pack up the trucks and they're moving to Los Angeles. Yeah, it's a it's a brutal story for my money having no connection to it obviously. Mm. It's one of the sadder stories in the history of the game that isn't, you know, about like a real life tragedy. And and in a way it is, I think you could argue a real life tragedy that millions of people lose their baseball team and and this this thing that they had to be a part of their everyday lives to to cheer for. I guess we're all kind of experiencing that right now. We know they're going to come back, but, you know, imagine that you had no hope of that, you know, during this time that your team was just gone and yeah, there's baseball, but you don't have a team anymore. And, you know, hearing Doris Kearns Goodwin yes. tell the story just breaks oh. my heart. Yeah. Well, your dad with the athletics moving, leaving Kansas city, that was his team as he was a kid. You know, and yeah. he hated Charlie Finley. It's <laughs> just like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh! Uh, take your team away. That exact, I was going to bring that exact point up where you hear her talking like it wasn't officially official yet. Like maybe there's hope, right? Maybe, and then oh, the city of Los Angeles uh. approves, and it's done. And what's interesting is that, you know, I, while it seems like you could never imagine such a thing, you know, there's been talks that you know maybe maybe could happen to Oakland if they can't get their stadium situation figured out it could happen Mm -hmm. to tampa bay 
but maybe even more closer to that is both in proximity and as well as a timeline is the 42 teams that could possibly be eliminated from minor league baseball. One in particular down the road from us in Boulder drew uh, the Rocky mountain vibes and one down the road from Barbara, the grand junction Rockies. So again, the more things change some 70 years later, the more they stay the same. Yeah. Yeah, That one's tough because go ahead. I was just going to say, it would be really sad to actually lose many of these minor league teams that because people promote, they want you to be involved. They want you to go watch. They want you to adopt it as your team. And then something happens and they kind of go, never mind. And it's, and that hurts. That's bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, in the, in these other stories, even as terrible as they are, or, um, you know, the, Colts moving in the NFL, you know, stuff like that, right. um, which is one of the just yes. most mind boggling ones, it, at least in a lot of those scenarios or in every one of those scenarios, somewhere else gets a team. And they even mentioned that, you know, in, in this doc that, you know, the people of Los Angeles loved it because like, right. Hey, we have baseball now. And 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 even you know generally speaking there were three teams in New York City and you know a couple of them moved out to California there was talk of it going to Minnesota that would have they would eventually get a team all of these other places needed teams it's really sad that people had to lose theirs um with the minor league thing it, they're just talking about getting rid of some stuff <laughs> yeah. yeah no no yeah. that's that's precisely right yeah this, this there's say, a lot of yeah. upheaval a lot of upheaval in the, in this chapter that that Ken Burns gets into about people moving away from the cities or at least moving west. And you know, in the beginning of the next chapter, we're, we're getting to the expansion era with, as you alluded to, the the Twins getting a team. We're going to see Houston, New York's going to come back with the Mets. So we're gonna we're gonna see this kind of rebirth and and some new cities, you know, gaining gaining professional ball clubs. Well, and, the and if you're looking for Kansas a bit, of, oh, go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll go ahead. (laughs) The Royals coming to Kansas City. And I heard somebody say the other day, they hope Montreal gets a team back. Uh, Those losses hurt. (laughs) But Montreal can't be the Royals again. That's taken now. So they can't go back to to Jackie. I know. know. (laughs) It's brutal out there. Uh, but hey, if you're looking for a little bit of a rebirth for yourself, you can get that done at MSU Denver Online. They put a dynamic Ooh. education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU is the Colorado institution that's providing a rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring real world into the classroom. Head to MSU Denver dot edu slash online to scope all of the classes they have to offer there's over 40 programs online and hybrid programs and 750 different classes it's a really fantastic opportunity now is the time to do it if you're not sure what to do with this time and you don't just want to spend it playing video games and drinking breck beer which is mostly what i've done uh, you want to add to your education so that you're fully ready to come out on the other side of this thing, uh, ready to attack the world. MSU 
Denver is one of the best places that you can do that. So make sure to check them out again. It's msudenver.edu slash online. Check them out today. You're not going to regret it. All right. So jumping back into this thing, I'm going to go back to the beginning since we were just sort of winging it there for a while. And I took very few notes, but uh, still wanted to make sure there were things we my, my notes this time were basically things I want to make sure we don't miss. Thing number one on the list, I just wrote Stengel. So, yeah, we always remember Yogi and his Yogiisms, but how about Stengelese, Patrick? I saw uh, your tweet. Run us through some and then give us your take uh, on who, I don't know, you got a champion in this fight? Is it dead even? Uh, g- give us a few of them. Yeah, the the four that my my well, I do have a top five. Okay, so there comes a time in every man's life, and I've had many of them. That's okay, good. Uh, good. all right, yep. everyone, line up alphabetically according to your height. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> there are three things you can do in a baseball game. Now, this is the best one. There are three things you can do in a baseball game. You can win, you can lose, or it can rain. Oh yeah, right. Most people my age are dead at the present time. Which only yeah. makes sense if you know if you're an older gentleman. Then finally, I made up my mind both ways. Both ways. I've <laughs> always really liked that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting character, and it was it was cool to see. And I don't, I don't, I didn't necessarily remember, or or maybe I didn't, I didn't know that how the, how close the relationship was between Stengel and, and Yogi Berra. You know, coincidentally, the the two guys with with all the great baseball quotes and how Yogi was quote, my man, you know, he, he, part of his, of Stengel's success with the Yankees was my man for, for Lawrence Peter Barra. Yeah. I loved that story. I didn't remember that one from before and it got me thinking, uh, we should come up with a list. We got to get the other DNVR people involved in this because it, it doesn't happen this way very often. So we'd have to go, you know, sport by sport. One that I thought of honestly, and this bothers me because over the course of their coach-player relationship, I began to really despise them, but was Greg Popovich and Tim Duncan. Hmm. That was one that that popped into my mind, but I'm trying to think of players and coaches where their careers and, and just everything is so intrinsically linked. Um, maybe Phil Jackson and Kobe, but I feel like less so for whatever reason because they both had careers apart from each other. Uh, in modern baseball, nobody stays a manager of a team long enough for, you know, no, no one's going to give sure. Joe Torre credit for that, you know, those Yankees dynasties, right? Um, and he was, I'm, I'm glad you brought him up because in, in hearing Casey Stengel's story again, it reminded me of Joe Torre because Stengel just, he wasn't, he didn't have a successful career as a manager before he came to the Yankees. That was Joe Torre's deal. Like he's, he's a hall of famer now for what he did as a manager, had a fantastic baseball career, was a borderline hall of famer as a player too. But before he came to the Yankees, you know, he, he had some decent teams with the Cardinals and, and, and even managed the Mets. But when he came to the Bronx was when he had all of his success and had a dynasty and Stengel was nearly identical to that. I guess the bright lights of New York just make everything better. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> it's, Bigger oh, and better, right? Uh. 
Alright, you all know the drill by now. We got to talking when it was the three of us, and it went on for quite a while, so we're going to go ahead and split it up into two parts. Hopefully, I'll be able to get both of them out quickly, because we've got another thing coming up that we've got to talk about. We've been running through the 2018 season, the 21 best games of that season. We're at the second one, which will be kicking off. Uh, just a few hours from the publishing of this, and we'll be talking about those, and I'll be doing live shows again because there's sort of baseball to talk about and Q&As. So in the meantime, I can just ask that during this time, you make sure you get your Breckenridge Brew fill, and if you have it within your means and you're in the area, I highly recommend you get a takeout order from our friends at Breckenridge Brewery over at their farmhouse uh, they, they'll get a meal for you. They'll obviously get you set up with some beers. If you use the code DNVR, you'll save $5 off your meal. You can call 303-803-1380 from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. for pickup. They will even bring your to-go order out to your car for you. You can get that 15-can sampler through Drizzly. You know the beers. They got the Avalanche, the Colorado Core, the Hot Peak, the Strawberry Sky, the Vanilla Porter, and more. They got that lager, if that's your thing. I really enjoy their lager. So, you know, if you want to help us out during this time, help them out. It all ends up being the same. Thank you so much for listening in and following on social media and subscribing to everything that I'm sure you're subscribing to. Hope you will continue to be absolutely awesome. I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.